Would it be crazy to enjoy more love in your life in under 60 minutes? Welcome to the Love with Intelligence radio show. I am your host, Lily Wolford, an international relationship and dating coach, and I have supported thousands of people like you to enjoy real, honest, and genuine love that lasts using behavioral psychology, body language, profiling, and so much more. Join us now as we dive into the deepest topics about love, dating, heartbreaks, and relationships. Hello and welcome. So we're diving straight into another juicy topic. So one of the things that actually creates a healthy relationship is good communication. So the thing is, we don't often really understand what good communication is in a relationship and how to do it in the right way. I think a lot of people who have been you know, very self-aware, who've done a lot of their personal development, who have good emotional intelligence, you know, I think these people even struggle with good communication too. Because when we think about good communication, this is something that really drives a fantastic and amazing connection. But it also allows us to actually communicate our truth as well and our needs and our emotions and what we want and our desires and our goals and all these different things that really help you to understand not only yourself a little bit better but also your partner too and the direction of where your relationship is going. So there's a few things that you really do need when it comes to really good and deep communication and it's about creating the space now time and time again i hear so many people struggling to open up in their relationships and it's to do with basically creating the space and creating that space to be able to be vulnerable now in order to feel safe to feel vulnerable there's a few things that need to happen there's that space of being able to talk about these things. So obviously it's never like, a, you know, when we're talking about very vulnerable things, we're not going to bring them up whilst we're, you know, at work or around friends or around family or, you know, when, you know, your partner's just shared some really sad news or something like that. No, there needs to be a right time and place to be able to do it. So creating that time, that quality time where you can both connect and talk. The other thing that's really important is also creating that space of non-judgment because that can be so difficult sometimes. You know, I genuinely do believe that, I believe that the only way that we can stop judging people is when we take the time to actually understand them. Because often, sometimes from afar, when someone makes a decision to do something, you know, we can have like so much judgment going, well, we wouldn't do that. And based on what we believe and the way that we've grown up, that feels completely wrong to us or, or seems stupid. Or why would you think that way? But the thing is, it's remembering that not everyone is you. And also, it's about context as well. So if I said to you, right, um, this person, this person's a thief, okay? Think about your first levels of judgment that come up when you hear the word thief. Then all of a sudden, you learn that they stole a loaf of bread to feed their family. 
what changes about how you perceive them. So when we take the time to be able to have compassion and have empathy, we're able to feel understood and seen even if it's something that you may have not have done or thought or wanted to do or whatever it might be. So being able to create that space of understanding is so important because there's not many places where we can be completely open with what we want to share with people and we're not judged and we're still loved and we're not jeopardizing anything and that's so important. The other thing that comes with good communication as well is really knowing yourself. And I think that's just unbelievably important, like important, but also I think a lot of people just pretend or not even pretend they just believe that they know themselves I mean, I'll tell you this you know I have learned so much more about myself over the last 12 months that I wouldn't I wasn't expecting you know some viewpoints have changed um, some things that I've healed has changed aspects of my personality there's um, things that I want out of life that have changed you know we're constantly adapting and changing when we take the time to actually analyze and review ourselves so when you have that space to really understand you we're talking about the communication within yourself so when we have when we have a look at the overlay between the way that we talk to ourselves and the way we talk to our partner it's very similar very similar because the funny thing is when we hear judgment okay when we judge people outwardly we are using the exact language that we would use about ourselves okay it's the way we relate to ourselves um always reflects the way that we we relate to people so if you've got a lack of trust with people there's a chance that you actually have a lack of trust within yourself if you don't feel safe around people, well, the chances are you might not be feeling safe within yourself. So it's really important to be able to understand these aspects and it might be things that you need to heal, some things that you might need to change and that's okay. I mean, one thing that from my own personal experience was um, healing hypervigilance in me because I had no idea how that was affecting um, my relationship. I literally had no idea. It was something so ingrained, something so natural that felt, felt um, you know, normal to me because I was holding it for about 15 years before I realized I had it. So, and hypervigilance is, is super interesting when you start looking into it. It's basically um, a form of trauma. It's often, often caused by, um, you know, complex PTSD or some, something on those lines. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be, but usually they go in hand in hand with each other. And usually it's it shows up by things like just normal conversations and something could be triggering. Um, and you'll find that that person, if they've got hypervigilance, they will jump on that conversation really quickly and try to um, nip things in the bud really, really quickly or take control of the conversation or um, instantly think the worst, or, you know, there's like lots of different things that happen in the background. 
And they tend to also be very emotionally aware of how people feel around them. They tend to be very, very good empath and, uh, um, empaths. And um, it's basically a safety mechanism. Because if they're able to feel into what everyone else is feeling, then they've got the upper hand and they're able to firefight anything that comes up for other people. So for me, the way it actually showed up in me was I would actually feel um, the way other people were feeling. So if someone was that had anxiety, I would feel that anxiety and I would take that on myself. Um, and it, it got to the point actually where if I was really, really close to someone, so for example, my partner, he often gets um, headaches, I would feel the exact same headache as him um, without even knowing he had a headache. So I'd actually go, oh my gosh, I've got this headache, I feel it all in my temples, it's like a stabby pain, you know, and I'll share that with him, and he'd be like, yeah, that's what I've got, that's currently mine. <laughs> so, but that's a form of hypervigilance. So it was very interesting once that was healed within me, the way that it changed the way I related to myself, the way I related to other people, and also I wasn't taking on all these different things. So the other thing with good communication as well is it's understanding your own needs, okay, and your emotions as well. And I think when it comes to understanding what is important to actually healthily communicate, it's about making sure that you're not falling into things like codependency. So for example, the way that you would understand if something was codependent is you'd actually hear someone say something along the lines of, my partner isn't making me happy. And it's like where they're actually saying that their partner has control over their happiness or is responsible for their happiness. When actually, when we have a look at interdependent relationships, you are responsible for your own happiness, you're responsible for your own emotions, you know, your goals, all these different things. Because you need to feel empowered. You need to be able to feel like you and you need to be able to feel like you're loved for being you rather than being a servant to your partner. Because that's what codependency relationships are. It's basically going, look, I don't deserve, you know, I don't deserve anything. I'm going to give everything to my partner and I'm going to expect that they do exactly the same for me. And if they don't, I'm going to resent them. <laughs> so, and they often have um, codependency relationships, um, codependent relationships even often have this fear-based connection. It's almost like, oh, I need to do this to make sure that you're happy. I need to do this to make sure that you love me. I need you to do this to make sure that you love me. And it's very rules-based and, you know, very regimented. And, you know, often you find both partners often end up resenting each other and feel lost in the relationship because every all the focus is on you know, each other rather than themselves. And then when you have a look at interdependent relationships, there's about two people who are fully accountable, fully independent. Um, you know, they're able to stand on their own two feet and they're able to, you know, have their emotions validated and they're able to, um, you know, be financially independent and all these different things outside of their relationship. So they're not going to their partner and going, okay, you need to be my therapist, you need to be um, my bank, you need to be my cook, my cleaner, all these different things. No, you know, your partner's not there to be anything but, them, you know, themselves. And you get to share your life with them and you're able to make memories with them and all these different things. And their only job is for them to be themselves and for you to be yourself. 
So when we have a look at your needs, I want you to think about what is it that you often need? And is it healthy to expect your partner to fulfill that? Now, one thing I'm going to talk about here, because it's often a very, very, very common thing that comes up, and it's insecurity. So insecurities, okay, I believe insecurities will pop up in most relationships, okay? It's not to say your relationship's going to be doomed or anything like that. It's more about how do you deal with that insecurity, okay? This is the difference between it being to a toxic relationship and being something that's healthy, so when you think about insecurities, it can be, you know, not be feeling good enough or worried about your partner going off with someone else or worried about your partner leaving and all these different things. A very simple thing that you can do is just ask yourself, what is it that you need in that moment? So is it to know that your partner loves you? Is it to know that your partner's happy? Is it that, you know, your partner um, opens up to you about the way that they feel about the relationship or whatever it might be? So all you need to do is you need to just say to your partner, look, I know, you know, I'm, I'm currently going through a bit of, a, you know, a bit of insecurity. Would it be possible if you just shared with me how you feel about me or how you feel about this relationship? I'd really love to know the, the truth of what you're feeling. This, just having this very simple conversation, will solve so many problems. Because often, insecurity tends to come up around past experiences and also a lack of clarity and a lack of communication. So when you're able to have those types of conversations where your partner suddenly goes, yeah, do you know what? I do really love you. I'm sorry. I've been a little bit out of it. I've been working. Um, you know, I've just been a little bit tired. And I just feel like I could just do with a bit of, um, you know, relaxation time. You know, what about if we spend some time together um, after I've had my bath or whatever it might be? <laughs> and all of a sudden, everything's okay again. And sometimes that's all that it takes. So in it's being able, again, like I said, to create that space of vulnerability and to feel okay. What's not okay when it comes to insecurity is when, um, you know, you have those horrible conversations where it's like, I saw you looking at that girl. You think she's prettier than me. And it's like, oh, cool. You've just literally just pushed your partner away. You've accused them for something that you're projecting. You have no idea how they were feeling or anything like that. And literally, this has just come up from your own insecurities around the way that you're feeling about yourself right now. So this is why being able to communicate in a healthy way is so important because it's a difference between creating connection and pushing people away. Okay, so really, really important. I mean, I was recently watching. Um, oh, this is my guilty pleasure. Don't judge me. <laughs> but I was watching 90 Day Fiance. And um, there was a character on there. I think they kind of nicknamed him Big Ed. You know, it's... Um, and this guy has so many layers of trauma. You can just see it because he's very emotion. He's like emotionally regressed. 
Um, and he was in this episode I was watching. He was, um, I think he was in his fifties, and he was seeing a girl who was twenty-eight called Liz. And everything that Ed was doing was pushing that relationship away. Okay, he did not give it breathing space. He was pushing it, uh, pushing it to um, to move really, really quickly. So I think they had their first like two, three dates in a week. He wanted her to go to a wedding um, with him for his like for their third date. I think it was. Um, he was basically asking to try and kiss her and sort of grabbed her face to kiss her, and that went really cringily wrong. But it was from all this fear-based things it was like oh do you like me do you like me do you like me don't leave me and when we're in that energy okay that frantic energy that often indicates trauma and when we're receiving that frantic energy what do we want to do we want to push it away really quickly okay and I often call this a bit of a self-sabotaging pattern and a self-fulfilling prophecy because those people tend to be like well everyone leaves me everyone goes but what they don't realize is it's their own behaviors that are causing this to happen. It's not to say that they're bad people or anything like that. It's just trauma coming up that they need to address to be able to have a healthy relationship. So when we also have a look at things like communication, it's really important to understand what you and your partner want out of your relationship. Now, um, uh, this is something that Joanna and I are currently going through. We're going through the process of really sort of understanding what we want, um, how do we expect things to look, what does love mean to us, and all these different things. Because the thing is, we don't have these conversations. We need these conversations to actually understand if, you know, things like compatibility, understanding the way that we work together, you know, um, a lot of collaboration. We need to give each other consideration of what we both want and what we both need. And obviously we need to communicate it. So they're my four C's, compatibility, collaboration, um, consideration and communication. Super, super important when it comes to creating a healthy relationship. Because the thing is, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or who your partner is or who your partner's going to be. You are two different people. Okay, that's that's the main thing to understand. Most people sort of go into relationships and they kind of expect to meet their double. And trust me, it's not the case ever. <laughs> and if you're constantly expecting your partner to be just like you, you are setting yourself up for a fail. So when we have a look at the important things to be able to talk about is looking at what you both prioritize, what you both want, what you both need, what your deal breakers are, um, what are the things that really grind your buttons. <laughs> you, know, you need to be able to understand these things because this is the difference between being in a relationship and being aware of what makes your partner feel good and what makes your partner feel bad rather than, um, you know, muffling on through, um, not being aware, feeling resentful for your partner because they're not responding to you the way that you want them to and also your partner being res um, resentful of you because you're not showing up in the right way or the way that they expect and things just clash and it just it's just awful. So when you're able to sort of have conversations about things like what a relationship means to you, 
um, things like apologies, things like showing affection and your love languages, things like sex. You know, what what are your desires around sex? What are your, um, you know, things that you really dislike about sex? What's the boundaries? How long should it last for? All these different things that are so important, but we often don't talk about and we need to. And then it's also things like day-to-day stuff. It's like, okay, how do you want to manage your household? Um, uh, What's going to feel good? What do you think is working? What do you think is not working? How can you improve those different things? So it's really important to just have in-depth conversations, going into the detail, even down to, I mean, (laughs) Jaina and I have very different love languages. So um, like one of mine is physical touch. So, and you know, Jonam's is more um, acts of service and you know, words of affirmation. So when I ask for physical affection, so I'll, you know, give him a hug or something like that. He's very much, he's gonna kill me for saying this, but he'll laugh. Um, He's a little bit like Sheldon when it comes to to physical affection sometimes, like Sheldon off the um, Big Bang Theory. (laughs) So I'll give him a hug and I'm like, oh yeah, this hug's amazing, it's nearly a minute long hug and he's ready to tap out. But um, in, in, you know, previous situations where I've given him a hug and it's lasted more than 10 seconds and he's like, okay, I'm done and then I feel upset because it's not been a long hug. You know, he then feels like he's given me what I want, but he's still being punished for it. And I think this is the th- this is where it becomes so important to be able to have those conversations in relationships about silly stuff like that, because it's literally the everyday stuff that make the difference in relationships. It's not the big events like the wedding, like moving in together, having babies. It's not those things. It's the everyday things which allow you to feel good. So, you know, when we had a conversation around that, it was like, okay, cool. I can be a bit more aware about your limitations and what your needs are. You're more about aware about aware of what I need. Um, how can we meet, meet in the middle or make this better for both of us? So we've got, you know, different things that we've spoken about that are important to us, that feel good for us. And also, we've got the added bonus of whatever we're doing in our relationship you know, number one, you know, actually feels good to us, but also it feels good knowing that we're doing something that feels good for the relationship as well. So you're kind of getting that double whammy of just feeling good, knowing that your partner's putting the effort in, you're putting the effort in, and you're doing something that you both feel really good about. And it's respecting those boundaries and things like that too. But ultimately, what you're doing when you're able to talk about these things is you're developing more intimacy and more trust in that relationship. And that is literally what good communication does. You know, it opens everything up to being able to create more vulnerability, more deeper conversations about things that really matter, being able to put certain things into place like boundaries and, you know, things that you really want and you desire and talking about your needs and all those different things where you're actually able to have a roadmap between you both on how to develop and create a healthy, loving and fulfilling relationship for you both. Because that's the goal of any relationship, right? But the thing is, we have almost been conditioned 
to believe that relationships should be a certain way. Okay, we have been told to believe that, you know, we need to go ahead, we need to get married, we need to get engaged, we need to, you know, move in together, have babies, you know, a relationship looks like this, you know, a good relationship um, in society looks like this, and yeah, it's like, uh, you're basically relying on old rules, which have been created by social norms that might not even fit with you. So when you've got people in relationships that aren't fitting them right or feeling good for either of them, you're not creating something that's going to last or feel good in the long run. So this is all about really exploring and really understanding yourself. And this is one of the reasons why I really enjoy working with people who are emotionally intelligent, who are self-aware, because they're able to really um, develop this in a very quick and powerful way that really shifts their relationship in the right direction. Okay, so super, 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 super important. The other thing as well that I kind of touched upon is that level of independence as well. And this is so important. So I've had a lot of clients who have come out of um, relationships and marriages where they've been in you know, a relationship or marriage for like 20 years and they come out of it and the first thing that they want to go ahead and do is run straight into another relationship because often they've been in a codependent relationship and they have no idea how to focus on themselves or even process the things like their emotions, what they're feeling, what they're desiring, what they're wanting. Um, because they've always been focused on the other person. So when they come out of a relationship, it can feel isolating, it can feel lonely, it can feel really alien to them. So when we have a look at independence, this is about being able to, I almost want to use the word parent yourself. <laughs> Because it's like being able to say, right, okay, can you stand on your own two feet? Are you able to emotionally regu regulate yourself and have the support around you? Like, do you have a coach? Do you speak to someone about your emotions? Do you feel accountable for you, what you're feeling? Do you validate what you're feeling? Um, finances, are you financially stable? Are you able to financially support yourself? Um, because it's I've heard so many horror stories of relationships where people haven't been able to support themselves and that really plays around with the power dynamic of the relationship as well. But I'll do another episode on that because I think that's really important to have a look at the power plays in relationships too. So, okay, so we've got emotions, we've got finances. Sexually, are you able to sexually satisfy yourself? Because often people sort of look at their partners and, you know, think they're a bit of a sex toy. And it's like, well, no, that's not their function. <laughs> you know, sex is to be enjoyed, but it's not to, you know, it's not to, um, you know, sex is to be enjoyed, but it's not to be um, from this empty kind of place. It's to be able to be like, okay, cool, I'm full, but I get to actually share this experience with you because I want you and it 
feels good and I'm not doing it from this place of starvation, okay? And I tend to see this a lot in in long-term relationships where, um, you know, the sexual appetite of both partners is, is different and one or both partners feel really dissatisfied, dissatisfied with their sex life and they're blaming each other for it. Um, and it's because they're trying to make each other responsible for the sex life. It's not, that's just the wrong way to go about it. Just, you know, heads up. <laughs> and um, I've recently done a an episode on you know, sex and relationships. I think that was the previous episode. So do check that out if you haven't already. So let's kind of go, we've kind of talked a little bit about the little things. Um, oh, hang on. So we've got, let's go back for just two seconds. So we've got the emotional um, independence. We've got the uh, financial, we've got the sexual. We've also got things like um, your own goals and dreams, okay? They're super important. They're your, um, they're your priority. You know, you're accountable for them. Your partner's not. Um, you know, and then you've got things like hobbies, things that make you happy, you know, all these different things that you are accountable for. So when someone comes out of a relationship that they've been in for 20 years and they've always been responsible for their partner, suddenly turning that focus back on themselves and suddenly going, cool, you are accountable for each areas of these lives can be very jarring. So I always, when I work with these people, I always focus on getting all of those areas met when it comes to them being able to meet their own needs. Because when you're able to do that, and it's, and it's so freaking profound because I always know when someone's done it properly or not is because they turn around to me and said, oh my gosh, Lily, I am actually happy on my own. I've never thought that I was going to go ahead and say something like this, but I am happy on my own. And I'm like, fantastic. You are ready to date. You are ready to go out there and date. Because the difference is when you go ahead and date from that space, you are dating from a place where you're like, okay, I am fulfilled. So anyone that I'm inviting into my life has to meet these standards, otherwise I'm happy to say goodbye. Versus if you're lonely and you're focusing on, on um, someone else and you're more likely to be in a, you know, codependent kind of frenzy looking for someone to fill the, the <laughs> you know, the spot, the vacancy, um, uh, you know, you're going to pick anyone because you're going to be too afraid to be alone and too afraid to focus on yourself because you've never done that before. And that's completely normal, but it's just an unhealthy way of carrying on the pattern too. So it's being aware of those things. You know, this is why I like good communication with yourself, a good understanding of yourself and being able to communicate your own needs is so freaking important. So the other thing I want to talk about as well, um, and I've done an episode on this too, but I think it's just good to kind of just have a little mini recap is also boundaries. You know, boundaries are so important. Um, I had someone say this to me and I just, just, oh my gosh, just resonates so much with me. And it's, if you're unable to say no to something, you're unable to say yes to something fully. And I'm like, yes, that is so, so, so true. And if you're unable to say yes to something fully, you're not going to be able to enjoy that. So chances are everything in life is going to feel a little bit dull, a little bit rubbish, because often the way we do one thing is the way that we do everything. And I do believe that from a psychological pattern point of view. So when we have a look at things like boundaries, 
I, I love kind of referring back to the question, are you doing this out of love or fear? Are you able to place a boundary out of love or are you avoiding placing that boundary because you're afraid? Okay, and that's really, really important to kind of understand because I think the thing is when we communicate boundaries, people feel the need to almost go very authoritarian. You know, like it's this, you know, complete, absolute no and this needs to be said and all these different things. It's not the case at all. It's okay to be able to say, okay, here's the facts. This is what I've noticed. This is the way I feel. This is the way I'd like things to be in future. Is that something we can do? That That's a good way to have a boundary conversation. The other thing that's really important to understand as well about around having conversations around boundaries or resolving things like conflict is remembering you might not have to deal with that in the very moment. I mean, this is another thing around hypervigilance. Hypervigilance creates almost this urgency to deal with any um, issues straight away. Okay, And sometimes the best thing that you can do is just stop and walk away. You know, and easier said than done, I get it. <laughs> but when we have these conversations around boundaries, around and um, resolving conflict, it's always better to do that from a level-headed space versus something where, you know, we're in a reactive mood or we're in a bad mood or we're feeling triggered or experience trauma or we're just really sad and we're really emotional. Like whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're doing it from a very neutral place. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do believe things like emotions have their place in conversations and you know, opening up and having vulnerability and all those different things. But when it comes to things like conflict, it's really actually quite important to do things from more of a logical standpoint. And when you do that, it really does strengthen your case it does help you to negotiate better because, you know, conflict resolution, a lot of it is negotiation. And it really helps someone to see your point of view without feeling like they're being manipulated. I often find that speaking to a lot of men, you know, men can feel like they're being manipulated when they hear a lot of emotions from women. And that can be very triggering and it can escalate arguments and all those different things. But like I said, it's not to say that emotions don't have their place and you can state how you feel, but it's more about don't use them to sway conversations. Don't use them when you're really in that emotion as well, um, because we often say and do things that we don't mean and we end up apologizing for them later. So talking about apologizing, <laughs> apologies are also a really good one to focus on too. I mean, I remember when Joanna and I got together and we literally had a two hour conversation on um, what sorry means to us and what we actually need for an apology to really land for both of us because we both needed very different things. Um, we noticed that, um, you know, when we, we weren't giving each other those things because we just didn't know what we didn't know. So being able to have those conversations is super, 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 super important. And it does take a good amount of self-awareness to really understand what you need as well. I mean, um, one thing I noticed um, 
we actually had a conversation about this recently. Jonam's like very stoic and I'm definitely more of like the emotional one. You know, I, I am like all about the emotions. And for me, when I have like an argument or anything like that with someone, I, I desperately want to resolve it. I hate having any form of argument unresolved. That's just like torture for me. And also, when, a, when a, an argument is finished and it's resolved, I need to see something which tells me that everything is okay. So I, could, so I can do all the logic, perfect, 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 you know, yep, we need to do this in future, avoid this in future, and when this happens, we just need to do X, Y, Z, fantastic. But for me personally, when, that, when that, that's all done, it, I need something to be able to basically feed my emotional state where it's like everything's okay. So something like a hug, something like I'm sorry, something like, you know, oh, that must have really, you know, hurt you or something like where it's like emotionally validating and where it feels like the anger and frustration has been dispersed. Whereas Jonam is very much like, cool, we've gone through the logic, right, we're done. <laughs> so we have negotiated a way of, of um, making that feel better for the both of us where we still both get our needs met and it feels like we're moving forward in our relationship and the thing is we've we've been um, you know we've we've known each other for four years we've been together for just over three years so you know this is stuff that's still evolving for us even in you know th th this stage of our relationship and the thing is, I think when people have been with each other for a while, there can be this complacency. And you often forget, oh, you know, your partner doesn't think the same way as you. Or we assume things and we don't take that time to really understand our partners still and explore what they're needing, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing and all those different things. So one thing that I actually say to my clients is... When we're listening to our partners, it's okay to ask questions to really understand them and where they're at. And the questions that I really love to ask are questions that actually allow someone to answer in sentences. I really hate the question why, um, because as soon as we ask the question why, we create um, uh, defensiveness and short answers from our partner. So if I turn around to you and said, well, why are you wearing the clothes that you're wearing today? All of a sudden, I can, I can always guarantee you almost feel like the need to defend. Okay, it's not coming from this, oh, I'm going to connect with you. It's coming from this place of, oh, well, hang on, are my clothes okay? What's wrong with them? You know, we kind of go straight into that place and often think the worst. So the questions that I love to be able to lead with are things like how, um, what, when, where, who, um, and they tend to really open up um, the conversation. You get to learn so much more about people when you use those kind of questions. So for example, it might be, um, you know, where did you get that top from? It's I really, really like it. Or what's your beliefs around um, having children, <laughs> you know, you're going to really struggle to go yes, no, or shut down that question. Or it might be, um, who inspired you the most when you were growing up? You know, it can be just silly things like that, that just really open the conversation up and you instantly learn so much more about people. 
And when I actually started learning around about this, I used these questions everywhere. I mean, um, <laughs> I was still working in, um, in corporate. So I was working in an international company um, as a group accountant. And I was using these questions everywhere and studying everyone as they were answering them. You know, just because it was just so interesting to see how people really enjoyed talking about themselves and also being able to go really into the depths of things that they've not re you know, really had the chance to explore either. And the thing is, when you create that with people, you create something called novelty. And the beauty of novelty is it makes you more memorable. People remember you because they feel good around you. And they've, they've been given an opportunity to experience conversationally something that they rarely experience. And it's being able to be fully open, talk about things that you've not really talked about before, being vulnerable, being seen and being accepted. And I tell you what, when you create that space for someone, to be able to enjoy, you really do create deep intimacy and deep connection. People feel safe around you. People feel understood around you. And that's exactly what you want in any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's family, it doesn't matter. Because the way people feel about you as a person is not necessarily about who you are as a person, but it's about how you make them feel feel. And this is the thing, people forget that they, people forget that people are so self-focused, okay? People are so self-focused. They're not thinking, oh, that person's really nice, they've got a real nice outlook on life, or they've got a real nice car, or something like that. It's more about, that person has taken the time to understand me, I feel seen by that person, I feel accepted by that person, that person it also shares similar beliefs than I, that I do um, uh, and I feel like I understand that person too so ultimately I feel good around them. So I even want you to think about people that you feel close to or people that you really really like and kind of ask yourself you know how are they showing those kind of attributes to you? you know, that they're understanding you, that they're making you feel good, that they, un you know, that they um, respect the things that you think or the things that you're sharing or the things that you're doing because we don't get that everywhere, okay? So the people that we really like, the people that are the most memorable are often people that do that for us, okay? We're self-centered, <laughs> You know, that's that's the thing, you know, and, and that's to do with our like biology, that's to do with the way that, that we're sort of, um, you know, uh, wired up, I can't even think of the words, <laughs> but, but we are self-fulfilling, okay, and that's really important to understand, it's not a good or bad thing, it's just our biology and the way that we're wired, because if we weren't, we wouldn't be looking after our survival, we wouldn't be looking at ways to better ourselves, we wouldn't be looking for ways to enjoy sex or have food or, you know, just live. So it's important for us to have that function, okay, and respect that that's a part of who we are. And when we do, we have a deeper understanding of those around us. And that kind of brings me on to as well, this idea of perfectionism. No one is perfect, okay? 
No one is perfect. And the more we're able to understand that and understand that everyone's going to come with baggage, everyone's going to have their flaws, everyone's going to, um, you know, do something that's going to upset you, whether, you know, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, whether they're sorry for it or whether they're not, it's just going to happen. And it's remembering that we don't take it on as something that we're blaming ourselves for. And this is something that I tend to see a lot. You know, when we see people who are acting in the normal realms of their behavior and they do something bad that, you know, that's that's common for them to do. So, you know, whether it's something like talking negatively about someone or saying a bad comment or cheating or, you know, whatever it might be. If it's something that they've done before and something that's a normal pattern for them, well, chances are you haven't influenced that in them. That's just who they are. So, you know, it's important to recognize that because otherwise a lot of people tend to focus on blaming themselves and taking responsibility of that person's actions, which is a very high codependent pattern. And this again, I'm circling back to that interdependence because that is so important for a healthy, loving, long-term relationship. And again, if you've always been in codependent relationships, you know, please be aware that, you know, if you're starting to adopt new patterns of interdependence, you know, it might take a little time to be able to fully integrate all of those patterns and you might slip into codependency again and that's okay. It's just being able to recognize it and move forward because at the end of the day, no one's perfect, we're all human and we're all doing our best. And that's really important to understand when it comes to people. Um, because like I said, around the whole judgment piece, the main reason why most people feel judgmental is because they haven't fully understood the person that they're actually judging. You know, when we're suddenly seeing that that person's suffering or that person's gone through something absolutely awful that's caused them to go through the thing that you're judging, you know, it suddenly feels very, 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 very different. We're able to see the human rather than the flaw. And that's so important when it comes to communication and connection. So, so important. I think this is the interesting thing. I was... I was um. I think it was about five years ago, I used to listen to a lot of, uh, of Brené Brown's audiobooks when I used to go and drive to work. And something that Brené shares, which I thought was fantastic, was the only way that we can judge someone or um, do something nasty or negative towards someone is when we dehumanise someone. Where we literally don't take in that that person is actually human. We turn them into objects, we turn them into this thing that we can hate and we take the humanity out of that person because that's what makes it possible to do awful things. You know, when we think about murderers, they don't see a person, they, they see an object. You know, we so it, it makes it easy for them to be able to do what they do. Same goes for people and really awful comments and judgment. If we dehumanise that person rather than actually realising, wow, Okay, well, you know, the reason this person's overweight is because of their childhood or they've gone through this awful experience or currently they're on this awful medication or they've just gone through a really awful experience and, you know, it's something that, that you know, they just haven't been able to, to overcome. 
you know, all of a sudden, rather than going, oh, wow, that person's fat, we, we actually go, oh, gosh, yeah, you, they've really gone through it all. Um, uh, you know, and that's really tough for them. And I can, I can see them as being a human. I can see their suffering. I can see that they're in pain over, over this. And I can, I can see them and I can understand them. Okay, and that's just so important. I, I genuinely wish more people did this. I really, really, really do. Because I really do believe that's what really creates, you know, self-compassion, compassion for other people, love, connection. And I think that would eradicate so much mental health issues. Like so many mental health issues. Because, you know, when we think about mental health, a lot of it, is because people are trying to portray a mask that's not really them. You know, it's often when we think about anxiety. You know, anxiety tends to be because they can't communicate their boundaries. They can't communicate their needs. They don't feel safe because they don't trust those around them. There's, you know, there's that thing of just communication again. Depression. Depression often comes from not being able to get your needs met, being able to communicate your needs in a way that they're met. You know, it's it's all these different things. <clears throat> so I do believe that being able to have good communication and being able to set boundaries and talk about needs and talk about the things that you need as a person or the way that you see the world, you know, the way that you need to hear an apology or whatever that might be changes so much. And also being able to feel empowered to be independent rather than codependent because if you feel that your partner is responsible for your happiness then you're powerless think about that if your partner is responsible for anything in your life well that's the area of your life where you are powerless so take back that control because at the end of the day no one can take that away from you <laughs> and trust me i've heard all the excuses under the sun why their partner has made them feel unhappy or why their partner has made it difficult for them or whatever that might be. But we all know, if you're listening, we all know that that's rubbish and that you are in more control or as much control as you would like to be. And that just throws something completely different into the mix because when we have people who are... <clears throat> in codependent patterns it's more about what's how is that serving them and i know some people go well it's not serving them at all well actually it is on a subconscious basis so when we have a look at relationships as a whole it's a way that we um basically share our identity and our story of our identity and if there's something that's negative or something that's, you know, around powerlessness or something that's around, you know, not feeling good enough, that's how that will actually play out in a relationship, needing to feel worthy, to feel loved. You know, that's often the, the underlying thing of a, of, a <clears throat> of a codependent relationship. So it's being able to understand where those things are coming from. And this is one of the reasons why... Um, I love working with people one to one because, you know, when we have a look at, you know, training videos and things like that and you know, 
kind of like the very distance shelf help. You know, I call it shelf help because it's like just books and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yes, it's great, but it's not really dedicating that to you. And I think when you're able to actually work with someone on a one-to-one -one basis, you can feel supported because that's so important. When you go through any deep level work, it's so important to feel supported and to feel understood and also to feel like the person that's supporting you has a plan and has direction for you to make things better, to make things that make things for you more of what you want. And, you know... <clears throat> When it comes to relationships specifically, it's also worth working with someone on, uh, you know, one thing that I do is I work with couples on a couple basis, but also on an individual basis too. Because again, it's about good communication. It's about being able to support them to be able to get what they want and also helping them to heal the things that they need to and learn the things that they need to, to create that beautiful relationship together. So, <clears throat> yeah, there's so many different ways that you could end up doing this. Um, but it's important. It's so important because these are the things that are often so ignored in relationships and dating. And people wonder why the divorce rate is so high. So just to summarise, good communication is about really understanding yourself, understanding your needs, being accountable for you on so many different levels, like emotions, finances, sex, your goals, your interests, you know, your lifestyle, all those different things, your health. Um, and also being able to collaborate together and have those conversations and remembering that you, you're going to see things differently. So if you're able to talk using the what, how, where, when, who questions, you're going to explore so much more about each other to the point where you can actually create something that feels good for the both of you. And when you're able to create that with boundaries, with rules, with good understanding, you're going to create more trust and more intimacy in your relationship as a result. The a few things that can actually prevent you from having good communication in relationships is trauma. When trauma shows up, it can often cause people to actually push away their partners in self-sabotaging patterns, whether that's hypervigilance, <clears throat> emotional outbursts, um, or even um, stonewalling partners. So there's so many different ways that this can actually manifest in relationships, but it's a being aware of it and being aware that that needs to be healed and in order to be able to deepen and strengthen your relationship as a couple and also to enjoy your life as an individual too. So I hope this has been helpful. Please share with other people if you feel that this is gonna be something that can really benefit them and their relationship because at the end of the day everyone deserves more love and to enjoy a fantastic relationship so thank you so much for listening goodbye and hopefully see you soon thank you for joining us on the love with intelligence radio show I'm so grateful that you joined us today and I'm also so grateful that you are dedicating your time to improve your love life so, as you are already on this journey, would it be crazy for you to jump over to our website, lovewithintelligence.com, and check out our many resources that's going to support you to enjoy your dream love life now. 
So that's lovewithintelligence.com. And I shall see you next time. Bye for now.